Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. And welcome to the 30-something movie podcast, episode number 242. 242. Um, Yeah, so we are here to... We're here... I never thought I'd say this. We're ready to run. Are you ready to run, Bo? Only when chased. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Or that, when chasing some money. That's, well, that's also the correct answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bo and I are here tonight. Hello, Bo. Hello, John. How are you this lovely evening? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I am, uh, by the time people listen to this, it will be past that. But I am currently, as we record this, I am 20 hours away from Endgame. So, I just, like, I've got less than a day. If I could just hold on, have nobody spoil anything for me, I got less than, like, 20 hours to go. This time the, tomorrow, I will probably be leaving the theater. So, In the world of today, the running commentary on the social medias has been endgame spoilers. No one, no one really got endgame spoiled, but the Game of Thrones spoilers have been everywhere. Oh, really? Because I, I think avoiding... I think avoiding endgame spoilers has also helped me avoid Game of Thrones spoilers because usually mm-hmm. we don't catch up on Game of Thrones until the season's over. Oh, that must be very difficult. We do it for all you. in one big chunk. <laughs> so I've yeah, I've had things spoiled for me that way before when we've waited to catch up on Game of Thrones stuff, but not so far this time. This time I'm doing okay so far. I think I've just tried to stay away from some of that. So I'm I'm good so far on Game of Thrones and good so far on Avengers. So we'll see if we can keep it that Excellent. way. So anyway, uh, we got Pat coming here in just a minute. Um, he was run just a little bit behind, so he should be here just about any minute. Which is very important because this is the movie Pat chose. Um, We are in our month of May. And our month of May, uh, due to, I'd like to say due to some creative scheduling on my part, but frankly it's because I messed up. And uh, I scheduled the wrong things for the month of May. And uh, so we had a month in which there was nothing scheduled in terms of movies. And so then I realized, well, you know what? We started this podcast with the 84-85 year. And we kind of started partway through that year, so we didn't have as much time to really get into some of the 84, 85 movies. We never did 80, 81, 82, or 83. And there are definitely, as we've gone through our years of 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, and now 89, there are definitely some each of those years that we would have liked to have talked about, but just because there's only a certain number, there's a bunch of great movies and a certain number of weeks in the year. And every once in a while, you got to take a little bit of a break that uh, we just didn't get to some of these movies. So month uh, May is the month of movies we missed. So that is the month where each of us are going to nominate a movie that we missed at some point in our time in the 80s, since this is our last year in the 80s. And uh, so Pat is up first with Cannonball Run. So Pat will be here in just a minute because that uh, that's his baby. 
So, um, and then next week, Bo, we're doing yours. We're doing the Dream Team. Yes, we so, are. Excited about that one. I remember watching that one as a kid. Um, you know, Cannonball Run had not seen before. So, or maybe I've seen bits and Me pieces. Me neither, all the way through. Yeah. So, so I'll be curious to curious to talk to Pat about it and just kind of see why he why he picked this one. You know, I know he's a car guy, so I I can take a few guesses as to why he picked it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so episode number 242. Real quick, let me do our regular spiel just so everybody knows. We are a spoiler podcast. Spoilers abound. Uh, we will spoil Cannonball Run, so if you haven't seen it yet and you want to, stop, go watch the movie, come back, we'll wait. Um, also, we may start to talk about the one thing we will not spoil, and we'll get to that in just a minute, is Avengers Endgame. Because at the recording of this episode, I am less than 24 hours away from seeing it. I have not seen it yet. Uh, it has been out for about three days now, three or four days. And uh, there will be no spoilers about Endgame just yet, so not talking about that. Uh, and Bo, you haven't seen it either, so I have not. Okay, so we we could we could just make up stuff right now if you want to and mess with people. I eh. love I love the part with Batman. I thought that was an there you go. I thought that was an inspired choice when they uh, brought. I thought Batman you were going to talk about the spot where Mr. Miyagi taught Rocky how to wax on wax off. That well, I mean, as an end credit scene, I thought that was great. You know, exactly. partway through the credits That's when they I mean. go to that scene, I, I thought that was amazing. Um, no, I thought when when Batman came um, crashing through the wall on the light cycle, um, and then Agent Smith started shooting at him, and he he you know tilted backwards in bullet time, uh, and then punched Thanos and saved the galaxy. Um, that I thought was amazing. And then well they took put. then they took the the stones of the Infinity Gauntlet and they tossed them into the fires of Mount Doom and everybody was totally fine. It seemed out of character though for Thanos to be sitting there crying and and, and like stroking the empty glove and saying "my precious" a lot. I, I don't I didn't get that part, but yeah, I was a little surprised at that choice. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, you can't win them all. But to each his own. I mean, you know. right, right. Can't win them all. Um, so no, we know nothing about. Avengers Endgame, so we're not going to spoil it for you. Um, iTunes reviews. If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, we would love that. I discovered, because I have, uh, I subscribe to a couple of different things here and there that would tell us if we had gotten reviews or ratings or other things like that on the iTunes store and Spotify and, and some of those different things. And come to find out, a few, was it a few weeks ago? A few weeks ago, we were number 29 on the list of uh, television and movie podcasts in the French iTunes store. In the French. In the fr- oui, oui, store. monsieur. Well, you know. May we oui, sacre bleu. Uh-huh. I, we have now offended all of our friends. So now we're not in the top 30 anymore, but uh, as of the last five seconds. But merci yes, beaucoup well, for yes. um, putting us in the in the top 30 in uh, TV and movies of the French iTunes store. I'm just a little excited about that. The other one that we broke that into the. cool, really. It is. The other one we broke into the top 50 was uh, Malta. I have no idea why. Malta. Malta. In the, hmm. the would that be the Maltese? Is that the Maltese Falcon? Sure. Are we the ooh. Okay, that has implications. But apparently we were in the top fifty in the <laughs> Malta iTunes store, so I'm kind of excited about that too. So there you go. I don't know what that means, but 
Right. Something crazy, I'm sure. Um, so, yes, leave us a review on iTunes. That's super helpful for our show. And then visit our website, uh, 30podcast.com, if you want to find out more, if you want to find all the different places to find our show, um, whether that be Letterboxd, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it might be. Our voicemail line is up there, too. Um, we would love. We don't get a lot of calls in the voicemail line. We would love to hear from you, have you call in. Uh, if you want to email in, we get tweets, uh, you know, every now and then from folks that listen. But uh, if you want to email in to email a message to us, it's a little bit longer. If you want to call in, that would be great. We could, you know, play your voicemail on the show and respond to it. Um, but we do have that voicemail line. It is on our website. So if you want to uh, hop over there and give us a call, it is 872-356-6843. So feel free to call that if you want to. It is there for your speaking pleasure. Um, as I said, I'm joined tonight by Bo and Pat will be here shortly. So real quick, the only movie news, because right now, if you look for anything, it's all Avengers Endgame. So I didn't look for very long because I didn't want to be spoiled on anything. But the big news is Avengers Endgame, after being out for three days, has reached $1.2 billion worldwide. That's impressive. That's insane. Like it used to take, I was trying to remember, like back when, was that the first Avengers and then, um, like, Force Awakens came out, and, and some of those different movies. Wasn't it like there was, like, the, the stretch to, like, four weeks or five weeks or six weeks or whatever it was, and it was like, oh, it's going to break a billion, it's going to break a billion, but it took, like, a month or a month and a half for it to yeah, get there? Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a different deal, yeah. Right, and now we've got a movie that's done it in three days. Like that, I don't know, that's crazy. And for people to make a, such a big deal out of it, they're like, well, you know, if you make a movie too long, people aren't going to go see it. Clearly, no. You can make a movie that's three hours and pe well, people and will go I, see I it. Well, I think you have, you have a somewhat captive audience right. in this case. Well, yeah. You know, if you saw Infinity War, you have to go see this one. Exactly. So I feel like it's important that, uh, you know, yes, a really long movie would still probably be a problem yeah yeah so but i i just i wanted to just comment on that i don't have anything else to say about it but just the the fact that in three days it reached 1.2 billion worldwide and 357 million us like it is just smashed every other box office that has existed so it's just it's crazy uh the other things i want to mention and as i list these movie titles i i don't so i, I guess i will say spoiler alert uh, for upcoming Marvel movies. If you don't want to know, you know, skip ahead a couple minutes or so. Um, but these have been officially announced that these movies are coming out, and these were officially announced before Endgame came out, so you had to kind of know something was up. Um, but, so starting now, the upcoming Marvel movies uh, after Endgame, so uh, what are we, I th this is Phase 3, so I guess that we're looking at like, this would be Phase 4, I guess. Um we have Spider-Man Far From Home, although that might be still Phase, phase 3. Uh, we have Spider-Man... Yeah, that's a weird one. It's sort of like the bridge between the two. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't completely sure where that one is supposed to take place. Um, whether, bef whether you know, before Endgame or where before Endgame or, or what it's going to do. But uh, So here are the ones coming out. Spider-Man Far From Home. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which James Gunn is back as director now. Uh, going to take a little bit longer probably to make that one because he, he did just start with, um, what was it, Suicide Squad. Uh, he is mm. directing that one, and I think that one just started filming, so um, so it may be a while till he gets back to the Guardians of the Galaxy. The Black Widow movie is coming up, The a movie called The Eternals, uh, and The Eternals is much more of a cosmic Marvel movie, so we'll see more spacey stuff. 
Yeah, Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, and a martial arts movie called Shang-Li. Or I'm not Shang-Li, uh, Shang-Chi. So I don't know anything about that one. Um, it was on the list of movies. I know that it's a martial arts-based movie. So my guess is it, it could be similar to The Iron Fist, if you watch The Iron Fist show on Netflix. Um, but oh, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have any exposure to that one, so I don't know. Uh, that's all I got in terms of movie news. Cause again, everything is Endgame, and I have not seen it yet. So I didn't really look too much further into the movie news right now so that I am not spoiled by that. All right. Uh, moving on into this week in 81. So typically we are this week in 89, but because Cannonball Run came out in 1981, we are jumping back to this week in 81. So May 1st. So we're looking at like May 1st to about May 7th. Although, um, I did do a couple of things that are a few days after that. I've got a couple of things big that happened on May 11th, 1981. So we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So May 1st to May 7th, 1981. On May 1st, the first frequent flyer program introduced by American Airlines was started. Uh, do you fly enough to use a frequent flyer program, Bo? Uh, no. no. No, I do not. Okay. I don't either. I think I have an account somewhere, but I don't really ever fly at all. So <laughs> they don't tend to fly me places for my work, so. Uh, May 7th, 1981 was Jerry Seinfeld's first national TV appearance on Johnny Carson. Uh, let's see, May 11th, so here I'm going a couple days after, but uh, May 11th, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats was performed for the first time. And then May 11th, 1981, Bob Marley dies at age 36. Wow, I didn't realize he died that young. Yeah, that's that was kind of crazy. When I saw that, that was crazy because I'm looking at that going, hmm. Well, that kind of makes me feel like a slouch. Right. Here I am at 38, and I haven't done the things he's done. No one's quite done the things he's done. That's true, too. All right. Uh, top book uh, in this week in 81 it was Gorky Park by Martin Cruz Smith. Top movie was Friday the 13th Part 2, directed by Steve Miner, starring Amy Steele, John Fury, and Adrian King. Uh, top song was Morning Train 9 to 5 by Sheena Easton. Yikes. Well, um, so, yeah, so one of the things, before we get into this movie, this movie has a crazy amount of, um, what do you want to call them, celebrity appearances, celebrity cameos? Yeah, I mean, really, it's hard to call them cameos because a lot of them were the stars of the race. Right, but. right. So we were, uh, do we have a Pat there? We have a Pat here. Can you hear a Pat? We have a Pat. Can you hear a Pat? I, I can hear a Pat. All right. So it's kind of like having a Hulk, but we have a Pat. It's it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So, Pat, we were just starting to talk about, uh, before we jump into doing some of the background info on Cannonball Run, um, we were just starting to talk about real quick how this movie has a crazy amount of celebrities in it. Yeah, it does. And it's it's funny because uh, when I was watching it, uh, I was talking to Mizuka about it. I'm like, have you seen it? He goes, I don't think I've seen Cannonball Run. And I said, oh, well, you just at least got to see the opening. Because that really, the first five minutes of the movie kind of basically sums up the whole movie. And as it was going, he was just distracted by the number of actors coming up on, up on screen. And it was, it was completely like a, a, a thing where he's just like, oh, wow, he's in this? Oh, my gosh, Sam Davis Jr. is in this? Oh, wait, he's in this? And it is. It's just, it was like, call all your friends and call in all your favors and let's just have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, we had started to talk about, um, before you hopped on, we had started to talk for just a minute about um, movies where you've got a ton of uh, celebrity stars uh, or celebrity cast members in the movie. 
And so I was, I found this, uh, I found this article from 2014. So I don't know if I didn't look to see, but I would imagine maybe like Infinity War or some of those others um, may have surpassed this. But this article is, uh, the title of the article is All Star Cast, the movies that feature the most movie stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they mention here that um, this article came out because Expendables 3 was coming out at the time in 2014. And they mentioned that three uh, Expendables 3 has about 13 kind of big-name actors. Um, and, you know, not all of those are used for the entire movie. But uh, they, they mention a few in here. They're like, you know, Expendables 3 has about 13. The other Expendables movies had about nine big-name actors. Then they list a whole bunch of others. They list uh, a movie called International House from 1933. Okay. Uh, had about 12 stars in it. Had uh, W.C. Fields, George Burns, Gracie Allen, Cab Calloway. Um, I think Bella Lugosi shows up at some point in that movie. A mm. crazy number of, of uh, people in that one. Um, this one I thought was kind of funny was uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World mm-hmm. uh, from 1962. And they say here, number of stars, about 60 plus. So I guess you end up with, and I think some of those were just, you know, people that just, you know, pop up real quickly. Um you know, they mentioned that Spencer Tracy, Mickey Rooney, Jonathan Winters, Ethel Merman, a um, bunch of other people in the main cast, um, but just a lot of people in that one. The Greatest Story Ever Told from 65 had 20 people. Uh, Charl- oh, yeah. Charlton Heston's one. that one. Yeah, Angela Lansbury, John Wayne, Shelley Winters. Um, what else? Murder on the Orient Express had 10. Had Albert Finney, the 1974 version. Albert Finney, Sean Connery, Ingrid Bergman, Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, the movie Shortcuts from 93 had 14. Mars Attacks, I mentioned that one. Uh, Mars Attacks only had 10. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe there were more, but... Um, yeah. There was a version of Hamlet from 1996 that had about 10. Um, Which is a phenomenal version of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, oh, let's see. Yeah, I, that's probably one of my favorite of the Kenneth Branagh Shakespeare movies. I really like that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, let's see, what else? The Thin Red Line had 13. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel had 13. Uh, this yeah, article is... I forgot that was a big one. Yeah, and, and this article is old enough that I think some of the more recent Marvel movies are not in there, so I don't I didn't count those up to see how many are in there. But, um, but yeah, I, that was the one thing. Watching this movie, for, and, I, and this is the first time I had watched Cannonball Run, um, was, I was like, whoa, that's, um, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of recognizable people in this cast. So it kind of reminded me of like a Mars Attacks or, or something like Especially that. Especially for 1981. Right, right. All right, well, let's dive on into this one. Uh, the, so the title, we've already said it several times, the title is The Cannonball Run. came out on the 19th of June, 1981, rated PG, uh, with a run. But be reminded, if you are going to be watching this uh, with your family, that it is a, a early 80s PG. So uh, there was yeah. there was no PG-13 at the time, so just be aware of that. There's a whole lot of Farrah Fawcett in this movie. Yeah, there is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, think I, saw, yes. <laughs> I think I saw this movie when I was eight. Okay. That is well done for an eight-year-old well, Patrick. Yeah, I know. Was my so first, that's, uh, the girls in the black Lamborghini were my first movie crush. There you go. I'm right sorry, on. I didn't even let John get through the little opening thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Um, no, I think this tells this that helps tell a story as to why you might have chosen this. It, it does. Film. It does. We, yeah, we were going to ask you that why you chose this one, but that that might help us understand. Uh, Runtime on this one is one hour thirty five minutes. Director was Hal Needham. Uh, he died in 2013. He also directed Smokey and the Bandit one and two, and the Cannonball Run one and two. Producer was Albert S. Ruddy, who did The Godfather and The Longest Yard. 
Writer for this one was Brock Yates, who died in 2016. He did Smokey and the Bandit 2. Uh, cinematography was Michael C. Butler. He w- did Jaws 2 and Smokey and the Bandit 2. Music was Al Capps. Did Stroker Ace and Cannonball Run 2. The budget was $18 million. The box office was $100 million. Uh, yeah. So, Pat, I don't think you're probably going to agree with the uh, critic reviews, but we'll go ahead and run through them. I don't think this movie is made for the critics, John. I, I don't think so. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics gave this one a 31%. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it a 61%. Ouch. IMDb gives it a 62%. Letterboxd gives it a 58%. And CinemaScore did not have a score for this one. Uh, the other quick thing before I start running through the names of people that are in this movie, and I, I kind of cut it off after about 10 people because otherwise we'd be here all night. Um, the other thing I learned was do not be the main cast of this movie because they're all dead now. Oh, right. They're, they're, they're dead, Jim. They're all dead now. Um, okay, so Burt Reynolds died in 2018. He was J.J. McClure. He was in Smokey and the Bandit and Boogie Nights. Roger Moore died in 2017. He was Seymour. He was in the Bond movies and the TV series The Saint. Farrah Fawcett died in 2009. She was Pamela. She was in Logan's Run and the TV series Charlie's Angels. Dom DeLuise uh, died in 2009. He played Victor Prinzum. Uh, He was in Blazing Saddles and An American Tale. Dean Martin died in 1995. He was Jamie Blake. He was in Rio Bravo and The Silencers. Sammy Davis Jr. died in 1990. He was Fenderbaum. He was in Porgy and Bess and One More Time. Jack Elam died in 2003. He was Dr. Nicholas Van Helsing. He was in Once Upon a Time in the West and Gunsmoke. Adrienne Barbeau was Marcy. She was in Swamp Thing and Back to School. Terry Bradshaw was Terry. He was in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and Failure to Launch. Jack, Jackie Chan was Subaru Driver Number 1. He was in Rush Hour, Shanghai Noon, and Rumble in the Bronx. And Jamie Farr was The Sheik, and he was in MASH and Scrooged. So real quickly, here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a moment. This is the story of an average guy and a beautiful girl. Hi. Don't tell me your name. I'll just call you Beauty. You must be a sensitive person. I bet you're a fan of Rod McEwen's. I try to be. And his best friend. I am Captain Chaos. Been a cop long? And a family doctor. Police. Come on right here. And how they all set out one day in an ambulance from New York to California at 150 miles per hour. California, here we come. But they aren't the only ones. Because this is the Cannonball Run. America's illegal Grand Prix. And it doesn't matter how you get there. It's who gets there first. Burt Reynolds is the defending champion. On his team, Farrah Fawcett. Are you one of those volleyballers? Cannonballers. Dom DeLuise and Jack Elam. And here comes the competition. Hurry up, you little... Dean Martin. We happen to be in a race. Sammy Davis Jr. You, Shorty. Where'd you get all that jewelry? Take a layup. Layup. Mel Tillis and Terry Bradshaw. Jackie Chan and Roger Moore as himself. I'm Roger Moore. Roger Moore. All of them. Reckless. We're in kind of a hurry, so if you could just bless it and then we'll be unscrupulous. Oh, I gotta bless her. I'm sorry, Father. She's a Zen Buddhist. Desperate characters. By land, by sea, 
by air. They'll do anything, drive anything, say anything. It's hard to understand you. When I called you, I was doing 140 miles an hour. And stop at nothing. Normally I drive right around the speed limit. We all make mistakes, miss, but 160? To win the Cannonball Run. Yeah, we're looking good. Come on, faster! Cannonball Run. The only movie to get over 200 tickets before it even opens. So, Pat, before we get into talking about the plot of this movie and, and the actors and, and everything else, so tell us a little bit about, we, we did introduce the idea that this month is movies that we missed from throughout the 80s decade. That was our kind of our only criteria was it had to be something we hadn't done on the show yet and something that took place in uh, one of the years of the 1980s as we are moving on to the 90s after this year. Um, so... Given that criteria, why did you pick this movie? Of all the ones you could have possibly picked, I, why did you go with this I, one? I, I did something that was just entirely selfish, and this movie is like the guilty pleasure for me. I I hope I listed it on our guilty pleasure uh, uh, program because it really is it really is for me. I saw this movie very young. I think. Our neighbors had it, and so we had to go, always go over there and watch it. And um, uh, then it was over at our house, and we would watch it. And I just, I just was, I was conscious of this movie uh, from a very young age, and I remembered all the parts and so forth. And um, you know, it was the, it was the whole car culture thing and all that. Even though, if you talk to any like serious car guys. Um, you know, some the serious car guys that are maybe like my parents' generation or slightly older will take a look at this movie and kind of shake their head because it is it is a pretty campy look at it. Um, but I, I saw this movie very young and uh, just loved Cars, so I loved this movie. And then it seems like it kept coming back in every phase of my life. So once I grew up a little bit and you know got to the ripe old age of junior high slash high school kid, I had a group of friends that we were really into this movie and we would always joke about this movie. And it seems like every weekend we would watch this movie. Even if we were getting a different movie, if we were all getting together and watch, we'd always watch Cannonball Run or at least parts of Cannonball Run. And that lasted all the way through high school. And then I got to college and new group of friends completely. I didn't go to college with any of my high school friends. And I got talking to some guys and there was a group of guys there that were really into Cannonball Run. So one guy in particular, my friend Kevin, we would get together and watch this movie all the time and quote this movie all the time. And, um, um, oh, I can't, I forget his name. Who's the guy that, that plays the flugelhorn? Da, 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 da. Um, I keep wanting to say Bobby McFerrin. Uh, I, I'm going to think of his name like a week from now and kick myself because I can't, I can't remember his name. Anyways, famous like jazz flugelhorn trumpet player guy. Uh, that played the, the melody to this, we would always be in the practice rooms and we'd know each other was there because we'd play the theme from the Cannonball Run. And again, we would watch this movie a couple times a week. So this movie has like has been with me for my, my entire life. So I could be having a bad day and I'll put this thing on and it's like seeing old friends. I, I just, I, <laughs> I've always enjoyed watching this movie. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to get too much on the soapbox, but... Uh, 
I'm pretty big into cars and car culture and racing. And I started reading up because it is based on a, on a real event. And so it's, it's actually pretty fascinating when you read about what this movie uh, was based on. So, I mean, but, you know, more, we'll get into more of that later. But, I mean, uh, that would be the initial thing, is that it's just a guilty pleasure movie. And when I associate something with the 80s and growing up and, and all that, I mean, I can, I can be having the worst day or feeling the most down or have, like, the most adult-level problems ever. And I could always go watch this movie. And like I said, it's like hanging out with old friends again. And, you know, the world the world looks a little bit better. And I'm in a little bit better of a mood and, and all that. So, which is probably like when I was a kid would watch this movie. So, you know, there you go. Right on. Yeah, like I said. So um, so this is the first time I had ever seen this movie. I, I thought maybe, oh, maybe I've seen bits and pieces of it. or And maybe I have. I, I don't know. Like, as a kid, I'm sure there's parts of this movie that probably, because they're so similar, probably blended in together with some memories of Smokey and the Bandit. Because I know we watch that one a lot. Like my dad, my dad liked Smokey and the Bandit, so I I know that I've seen that one many, many, many times, um, and probably Smokey and the Bandit too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there might have been parts of this one because there were parts that did feel kind of familiar, but I definitely had not watched this movie from beginning to end ever. Um, so it was the first time watching for me. Yes. And Bo, you said this was the first time you think in its entirety that you saw this one. Yeah, there were, it was definitely a lot of new to me, but kind of like you, I felt like there were some pieces, bits and pieces that I'd obviously seen before. You'd seen it when it like popped up on TV or something like that it must have been you know you catch the tail end of something or you catch the beginning of something you don't finish it that sort of deal yeah honestly what i remembered was some of the dom de louise burt reynolds stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and not so much the rest of it like the roger moore stuff was some of my favorite i didn't remember that at all so yeah yeah no that i definitely had not seen that part I was hysterical. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, in terms of the overall story of this, um, you know, Pat, do you do you want to give just kind of like a very fast like rundown of what is this movie? Like, if for anybody who's never seen this before, uh, we're, we'll talk a little bit later about what the real okay. Cannonball okay. Run is. But for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, if you were if you were talking to somebody at school and they were like, "Hey, I, I saw this thing called Cannonball Run. I have no idea what it is," you know. What's it about without giving too much away? Uh, pretty much an illegal road race across the United States. There you go. That's that's pretty much what the movie's about. Okay. And if it, so, yeah. I was just going to say, and if you want to scratch the surface a little bit more than that, then you could say that, uh, and, and the movie just features some very outlandish, campy uh, uh, kind of take on different characters that are all trying to race across the country. Right, right. So we get the uh, so we'll, we'll kind of go through a little bit of, of the plot of the movie here, and and you know feel free to just jump in anytime if you if you've got something you want to say about okay. it. Um, but I'm just gonna like real quick sure. just kind of bullet points through the through the plot of the movie for anybody who has seen it but just needs a kind of a, a quick refresher of it. Uh, so the race teams have gathered in Connecticut, I believe it is, to start start this cross country race, and uh, they are going to punch in with an old school time clock. Uh, so they're not really necessarily racing each other; they're racing the clock. Is that 
Was that pretty accurate? It's yeah, yeah. Even I mean, they they do tend to get there at about the same time because otherwise the movie'd be kind of boring, right? Um, but when you think about it, like, and we can get into more of this later. But when you think about it, uh, the way it ends with the big foot race, that didn't need to happen because they all are clocking no. in at different time. I mean, you know, but right, yeah, right, right. Um. So yeah, so you got the race teams that are gathering, they're clocking in. So that's you kind of get the introduction to some of the characters early on, and and um, that was one thing, you know, having not seen this before, and and kind of just it just jumps right in, and everybody's kind of talking about, uh, they're kind of talking about what car they're going to get and and what they need for everything, and I think maybe as a first time viewer that threw me off a little bit because part of me was sitting there going, have I missed like five to ten minutes of this movie because. It seemed like it just, it, it almost seems like it jumped too far into things. And it took quite a while for me to find out exactly what, I mean, I knew what the Cannonball Run was, but as a first time viewer, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there going, I, I feel like I've missed a few minutes. Yeah, it, it was an interesting way to start, but I almost felt like it was a more modern way to start. Mm-hmm. Like you find a lot of movies now or even TV shows that'll drop you in in the middle of something and let you sort of figure out the backstory as you go. Yeah. I don't. Right. I don't think that's been very common in the movies we've been watching, um, which is interesting. You know, reaching all the way back to 1981, it's a it's a more modern plot device. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who want the um, want the uh, ten dollar word from the English teacher, that is referred to as in media reus. You are dropped Ooh, into oh, the middle Lord. of the action. Wow! Wow! There we go. There you're welcome. I feel educated. Free lesson for everyone. Cannon, go cannon, teach others. Cannonball run in media mobis. Yeah, there you go. Did I get that right? I sure. I feel like with a why not? I, I, I feel like I can say that, and with a flick of a wand, I would be cursing someone. Dig it. You probably <laughs> you probably would be. Yeah. I Yeah, I can see that. We're still on. <laughs> we're still on book four, so don't tell me anything. But yeah. Well, and and, yeah. and you know, I think what it does, and I I was actually struck with that watching it this time too. Was it's kind of like, yeah, here we go again. But it's like, yeah, they they all know each other, like they all mm-hmm. like they all know each other. They all know who the the. And I was trying to kind of say, well, now is that just because the whole feel of this movie is the they're just all getting together, hanging out, and I could see them all like, hey guys, let's have a lot of fun. Let's do this next. Let's do you know, right? Sort of like us trying to do the band director, or was this really what right. they were trying to create? Is this you know because. You know, racing in a racing circuit tends to be a pretty kind of tight knit group of people. They're not maybe all friends, but they all know each other. And I wasn't sure whether right. it was just by nature of the cast and how they assembled the movie, or whether that was like what they were trying to characterize. So, anyways, yeah, I picked up on that too. You know, now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it, if they had wanted to do the and and I know some people didn't. I really liked the Han Solo movie that came out a, a year or two ago. Um, if they wanted to, they could have made a movie called The Kessel Run, mm-hmm. and they could have just had that be like a Star Wars version of the Cannonball Run, yeah. and just replace the the Burt Reynolds character with the Han Solo character, and now you're, you're, you're good to go. And really, that's all it is. It's just it's a movie about. That's exactly what it is. It's a movie about making the Kessel run, but instead of like less than 30-some hours, it's 12 parsecs. That'd be pretty cool. And now I want somebody to go do that. They could do that as long as you have cute girls in a black spaceship thing. Yeah, yeah. 
I think we can arrange that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Han and Chewie steal a medical frigate, and that's what they use to get through the... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's just a bit of a bit of a tangent, but if anybody wants to make that movie, I, I, will, I don't know if I'm the only person, but I'll go see it. I'll go with you. Okay, all right. I'm in. Um, so yeah, so then we get a little bit of a kind of a, a side story. We have uh, Arthur J. Foyt of the Safety Enforcement Unit, um, who is trying to stop the race because of its environmental effects, um, or at least that's what he says. And uh, he has with him the first part of the movie, and I, I probably needed to go back and, and watch it again, but I didn't. Um, I'm trying to remember how did was uh, uh, Pamela the Farrah Fawcett character. Was she there because she was a photographer covering this event or his speech? Or I, I, I feel like I lost why she's there. Is she just there because she's on vacation somewhere? And She's a photographer. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, she loves I... trees. And that's why she hangs out with the Friends of Nature. She says, I love trees. And she keeps trying to do that monologue. And they play the, uh, I think it's something from, is it William Tell? That... Yeah. And every time she tries this go through her thing of why she loves trees, uh, she keeps getting interrupted for some reason or other, but the, yeah, that's her connection. Education Crystal 108, Earth Culture. A typical old, much loved by the people who will live among Kalel. Trees by Joyce Kilmer. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. Come on, I like trees. So does your average Cocker Spaniel. Give me another one. Cute. The only reason she's there is because it's the environmental group. Yes. That's their reason for stopping this race. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, you kind of have him, and he's going to show up. He's going to pop up at different times in the movie as kind of the, the uh, you know, I'm, his name is Foyt, but I'm going to say the foil to mm-hmm. um, the rest of the racers and, and try to stop this whole thing. Um, you do have, from the beginning of the movie, uh, Burt Reynolds, J.J., his character, and Victor, Dom DeLuise, they kind of get the idea that they're going to use an ambulance mm-hmm. because I guess they figure if they've got an ambulance with some sirens on it, uh, it will, it, it, you know, you don't have to stop if you're in an ambulance. Uh, nobody's going to pull you over if you're speeding and your siren's on. Um, then they get the bright idea that they need to have an actual doctor and they need to have some kind of a, a victim or a, a patient mm-hmm. to be able to have in the car with them in case they do get stopped to keep this whole thing legit. And uh, that that does kind of bring in, you know, we'll 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 bring in bits and pieces here and there. But I was reading some different articles by people who have made the actual Cannonball Run or races that are similar to it, mm-hmm. uh, and they have mentioned that at times uh, they would use inflatable family members mm-hmm. and put them in their cars to make it look like you're not just racing down the road. That you know you actually have passengers in your car and you're not just some crazy racer yeah. that's going down the road. So, yeah. um, so I guess there's all kinds of ele- well, elaborate of course, plans. Once you get to... to California, you can use the carpool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true too. That's true too. Uh, so yes, yeah, so they've got their, they've got their ambulance and ultimately they end up kind of kidnapping, uh, Pamela so that, uh, she becomes their patient, uh, for, for poor Dr. Um, Dr. Van Helsing. <laughs> now that is university oh. of Rand group good. And the various assorted night classes in faith healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I don't like getting shots, but if that guy was coming and giving me a shot, then. And I'm, I'm just going to say that this is where we run afoul of the Me Too movement. This whole plot line, they basically abduct a girl and then, I mean, make light of the fact that, you know, he gave her a shot of whatever that stuff was. And right. Yeah, yeah. 
But it all worked out. In not, but remember, Burt Reynolds isn't a rapist. Yes, that's, that's okay. right. Right. That's right. Right. Or racers, not rapists. Right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So we do find that as the race goes on, occasionally uh, Victor will turn into uh, his superhero alter ego, Captain Chaos, mm-hmm. um, at different times for different reasons. And that will come back up towards the end of the movie, and we'll, we'll talk about the end later because I have some definite thoughts on that. Um, but uh, yeah, so we have, and, and kind of through most of the movie, we have um, the main back and forth is between the ambulance and the Ferrari. Yeah. And in the Ferrari, you've got Fenderbaum and Blake, which is Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, Dean Martin. And that's kind of the, I think you'd probably say that's kind of the main rivalry oh, yeah. in the movie. Sure. Yeah. yeah. God so, is our co-pilot. Yeah. <laughs> you know our car? Two, two seats? Where's he going to sit? Where's he going to sit? Oh, my God. I remember I remember having to stop that movie and laugh from when I was eight years old all the way up until today. I still have to stop because I laugh so hard the way he delivers that line. Oh Man, my if God. we were only Methodists. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the one I always laugh <laughs> at. That, he's, that the guy sitting right next to him is spitting out the... Oh, right. man. Which, mm-hmm. which I, I had to laugh at just a little bit because when I was born, we were going to the Methodist church because my, yeah. my first and middle name, John Wesley, that's the founder of the yeah, Methodist church. Right. So I had, I had to laugh just a little bit when that line came up. And yeah. Methodists. If only we were Methodists. <laughs> yep. I, I didn't know that was an option within the Methodist church. Wait, um, don't, don't you know, Father, the Catholic church hasn't allowed that for years. How about just one of you? keep flying father oh man so as they they kind of continue on through the race they end up um, uh, kind of out in the desert a little bit and there's some construction that's going on and so everybody's kind of blocked for the time being Uh, and then we have a biker gang uh, led by Peter Fonda that shows up of course and uh, we we get into a bit of a tussle and uh, I think we uh, doesn't Captain Chaos comes out at that point to to kind of join the fight, and the uh, Subaru team shows up, and Jackie Chan does some of his martial arts stuff there. And yeah, you get a Peter, and, uh, you get a Peter Fonda Jackie Chan fight scene. I mean, how cool is that? Which I never thought I'd right. see in a movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then at, after that, the construction crew uh, the road is opened up; they're finished, so the teams you know get back to their cars and keep the race going, and. Um, they do find that uh, by the time they get, uh, you know, he, he becomes Captain Chaos again at a point where they've kind of fallen behind a little bit and uh, becoming Captain Chaos, Captain Chaos, I guess, allows him to become a better and faster driver. Uh, so they do catch up a little bit. And uh, by the time they arrive at the last part, um, you know, they kind of all come together and everybody jumps out and it ends up being a foot race. Uh, to get to the end. And, and like you said earlier, they all clocked in at different times. So it's not like this foot race really needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of depends on who left first and who got there. And um, But, you know, we're adding drama for the movie. So. Um, and it, it's pretty funny. It is funny. It is funny. Right. Don't think about it too hard, but it's funny. No. Um, and then. No, uh, this movie asks for a lot of not thinking too hard. Right. But that's okay. Right. This, is, this is one of those movies. So. Um, they're just about to the finish line. He is in a foot race with, uh, is it Marcy? Um, I think one of the girls from the Lamborghini team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we can go back and talk about them in a minute. Cause we really haven't talked about their, um, uh, plan of attack 
for for getting this their their contributions uh, to society <laughs> yeah. for um, getting through this race and and not getting pulled over by the police and based in uh, a you know, reality there. I'm just saying. It, true, true. I, nothing that I know I could try, but. Um, you know, I, I did read that there were some teams that did that in the past. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but he ends up in a foot race with her, and then that's at the very, very end. He's just about there. He's going to win it. Captain Chaos uh, then happens to reappear because Oops. there's a woman that starts yelling that her baby has fallen in the water and is going to drown. And then he, as Captain going, Chaos, John, turns and dives into the water it. to go save her baby, which turns out to be her dog. And so then Marcy from the Lamborghini team wins the race. And um, uh, J.J. Burt Reynolds is a little frustrated and uh, tears off Captain Chaos's costume, to which then all of a sudden Captain Chaos reappears and he's Captain USA. And then that's the end of the movie. Everybody's just kind of laughing and doing their thing and Roger Moore gets catapulted into the water from his uh, trick seat that's in his car and that's the end of the movie. So there's a couple things that we glossed over here. So I want to back up just a little bit. Um, I do want to talk about Roger Moore because that was a really fun, really funny part of the movie too. You mean Roger um, Moore playing a guy playing Roger Moore playing a guy? Yes. <laughs> yes. The Which most elaborate, awesome, by the way. right? The most elaborate way of having Roger Moore in your movie. I know. Uh, I, I still can't. I have to go back to the line of one of the knockers in the labyrinth. I've never understood it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never understood it. Um, so, uh, so let's back up just a minute. The Lamborghini team. Ah, uh, so, yes. Uh, <laughs> My first movie crush. So, there you go. So, Pat. So, tell us a little bit about you. You said that this is based in some uh, some real life examples from the real Cannonball Run races. Yeah. So, well, and first of all, uh, Mr. Arthur J. Arthur J. Foyt. Foyt. That's right. Yeah. They, Foyt. That's mm-hmm. actually a, a, a nod to the great AJ Foyt. Of uh, IndyCar, sports car, and geez, I wondered about yeah, that. Every every other possible racing, I think I think the guy in it. Anyways, uh, a famous racer, so I think that was supposed to be a nod towards him. Um, but yeah, so the Cannonball, or the official title, is the Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash, and it's named for a guy from back, you know, I would say just past the turn of the century named Cannonball Baker. I, to be honest, I forget his first name, but Cannonball Baker would ride his, was it an Indian motorcycle? I think he rode it. Well, he rode a motorcycle. I thought it was an Indian. Anyways, he would ride it across the country and he would set, uh, would would he ride it on only one wheel? Uh, no, he wasn't quite like, you know, uh, well maybe I, but he wasn't like that. He wasn't (laughs) like that stunt guy. Um, but, uh, the, um, he would he would ride it across the country, and then he would uh, set records for getting you know he would set uh, crossing country records. And I mean, obviously, I don't need to say this, but I mean, I will just because I use a lot of words where one will do. But I mean, that was back in the day when going across country that was like a big thing. I mean, things could break down. There wasn't AAA to help you out, and I mean, the, you know that was still like you know that was that was back in the day and age when that was you know, a real accomplishment. Um, and he would do that and set speed records and so forth. And then you fast forward, um, into the seventies and Brock Yates who helped write this movie, but he was also a writer, I think for car and driver magazine. Um, and also, you know, he, he wrote, you know, a lot of the sport, you know, motorsports columns and whatnot. He got this idea, um, 
Well, it, it, it grows right out of the mindset of the 1960s, or so I've been told because I was not born in the 1960s. And I was born late enough in the 70s that, you know, I, I really can't say I've espoused this, but they didn't like the government kind of encroaching on their freedoms. And they especially didn't like the idea of a 55 mile an hour speed limit. They thought that was, you know, a bunch of malarkey. So you combine that with, you know, the, the kind of standing up against the man in, from the 60s and pushing back against the government and don't trust anyone over 30. And you, you take that whole mindset and wrap it up and then add in a bunch of guys that are real, you know, gearheads. And so Barack Yates comes up with this idea that, okay, let's race across the country as fast as we can from whatever, wherever the starting place was in, what was it, Connecticut? And then they'd, they'd race all the way to the Portofino Inn, which I think was in Long Beach. And that was the idea. And basically, it was exactly what you saw in the movie. You clock out, and first person, you know, you clock in, and the best time wins the race. And meanwhile, you got to get across country as fast as you can without getting pulled over. And radars, radar was just coming up and uh, on the scene. CB radios were huge. So, I mean, that was a big thing that featured in and, and, you know, because you get people that would warn up and down the highway, they would warn you, of, okay, well, we got this going in and you'd have all sorts of, you know, it's, it's kind of fun when you listen to it now, but they had basically a language onto themselves that you get a little bit in the movie. But when you hear these guys on CB radio start talking back and forth, I mean, that was a huge thing. Um, right, but yeah, you get cops had radar and then it was early radar detectors. So these guys would got together and they tore across the country, and that's kind of where the race started. And it went for the better part of the 1970s. And I've read a couple books on it, and it's it's uh, it's a pretty interesting group of, of people that would do this. And again, it was just all wanting to push back against the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. And the cool thing was, for the first race, Brock Yates got a guy named Dan Gurney to drive in it. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dan Gurney, but he is, a fa or was, because he since passed, but a fantastic engineer, race car driver, and so forth. I mean, he designed his own cars, raced them, and won in Formula One, IndyCar, you name it. He's motorcycles, sports cars. He's, he's kind of done it all. So they got him, and he and Brock Yates uh, co-drove a Ferrari, uh, it was a Ferrari Daytona, and um, they won the first race. And to get... Dan Gurney to participate in something like that would be like getting LeBron James to play in an underground like street basketball thing or get like let's say some like the, the top UFC fighter um, or the top boxer in the world to compete in some illegal underground boxing match I mean that that's kind of what it would be akin to um, you know and uh, they got him to, to drive in this thing he kept it really on the down low because, I mean, he's a professional driver. And if anyone got wind of that, he could have, you know, been sanctioned and fined and this whole thing. And no one really knew about it. It was kind of word of mouth because it was all before the Internet. Um, up until there was a, a cover, and you can find it online now, but there was a cover to Car Driver magazine. And it showed pictures of these guys sitting in front of their cars that they used in the, one of the original cannonballs. And the, the Car Driver magazine, the, the, the heading was... These men are wanted for breaking the dumbest law since Prohibition. And it was a whole story about the Cannonball Run. But again, it was all kept on the down low. And then when the word got out, 
you know, the police would be looking for them and, and all that. But these guys did it, and, and guys and girls, they did it, and they'd race across the country. And uh, again, you start reading some of the stories, and it's just like, man, some of that stuff in the movie that you think is the most outlandish, it was like, no, they, that's what they did and more. I mean, there was a, there was a mad dog, uh, the guy mad dog driving the truck. Um, he had a big, you know, pickup truck with like some enormous V8 in it with dualies on the back and the whole thing. And yeah, he took off and took a shortcut and drove right through a forest to get to the highway. Um, there was a guy like the car crashing into the pool. I believe that had been done. There was a group of gals that drove the car and, you know, they wore very alluring outfits to try and, you know, get past the police. Um, a lot of sport cars going very, very fast down the road. Um, I think, uh, um, what was the other one? Oh, the, the Transcon Medivac. That was the real van that they raced. And it was Hal Needham and Brock Yates in one of the final cannonball runs. They decided to run the run with the ambulance. And it was, a you know, you read about it. It was a, it was a, the van, they did it up like an ambulance. They put a big, I think a Dodge Hemi uh, motor in it. The 425 uh, cubic inch heavy motor in it. They had like, you know, four different um, fuel tanks that when they pulled up to a gas station, they could grab the gas fillers from all four pumps to fill it up quicker. They had someone act as the doctor. They had someone act as the uh, uh, patient. And uh, they drove that thing and they raced that thing. And that was the actual van that appeared in the movie. And as a funny aside, they did get pulled over and they did con their way past the highway patrol um, by saying, yeah, we, we can't fly her because of, you know, complications and we're driving her across country. And they convinced these 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 guys in the highway patrol and they, they got by on it. And that's why they were racing across the racing down the road in the middle of the night. And the funniest part was that it was later, it was it was like, I think it was in the 90s, uh, Brock Yates was on a television program and they were talking about it. And all of a sudden it was one of these car show kind of things and someone called in and whoever the caller did, if I got the story right, the caller said, by the way, I just want to say that um, that story about the, yeah, 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 the story about the pulling the police, yeah, that was pretty funny. And he says, by the way, I'd just like everybody to know um, that's a true story, and I can tell you that because I was one of the highway patrolmen that pulled you over that night. And to be honest, until the movie came out and we saw it, you totally had us. You got us. That would, you, you got us hook, line, and sinker. And they you know, kind of had a laugh uh, about that. So it's, um, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty interesting, the real story behind it. And thank you for letting me wind off about it because I, I kind of find it fascinating. But the real story behind it was... Uh, you know, there, there were a lot of these guys that liked to tear across the, tear across the country as fast as they could. And, uh, it, and it was a, it was a real race. Yeah. It, as I was looking up some stuff on it and looking up, uh, you know, I, I found a couple of websites where people are like, you know, not that we condone this, but if you're going to do one of these today, mm-hmm. here are some things you could kind of keep in mind. And I'm like, Oh, really? They still do this today? That. That seems a little crazy. But at the same time, I do feel like I, lately, for some reason, people seem to be driving kind of crazy lately. So there have been a couple times lately where I kind of feel like, hmm, I wonder if I just got past somebody who's doing some kind of a cross-country or cross-state race, or uh, maybe it's just somebody in a car driving 100 miles an hour that's acting like a jerk. But, you know. Well. But, uh, yeah, no, it was kind of cool that it's, um, you know, it's not something I would ever do, but... 
kind of cool that there are kind of these underground races and especially kind of when it was back in like the, the 70s and 80s and um you know just kind of seemed like it's it's a fun legend to be able to to find out is is actually based in fact and that i think that's part of the fun part too is that you it's like one of these situations where you see the movie and they try to do some outlandish things in the movie but then the real life people are like well yeah we might have actually taken a little bit further than that yeah yeah and there was some guy you can find it on youtube there's these guys that uh they these three guys got together and set up this uh this mercedes this high-powered mercedes and they tried to beat the 30-hour time record and they did um, and I mean, I'm not going to impugn it at all, but I mean, yeah, the, the car was customized with extra fuel tanks and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, but I mean, they were running like two or three radar detectors, radar jammers, um, you know, like GPS, you know, four different GPS systems that could track every, I mean, they, it was a pretty heavy duty electronic suite, um, that they had, uh, in doing it. Um, and it's, I mean, I'm not going to put that down at all because i mean you know going coast to coast in 29 hours is is moving pretty good but um you know it, it's interesting because like you say it, it, it's from a bygone era i mean it's sort of like talking about flying across the atlantic you know racing across the racing across the country trying to beat the 55 mile an hour speed limit because you know those questions still persist it's like do we you know i mean in germany they got the autobahn where you know drivers right. go out and i mean why, why do we not have something like that here? But then on the flip side is you're also talking cities with more, you know, congestion. And, I mean, and distracted driving and all this. Plus, you get the whole move towards autonomous vehicles. So, I mean, it's it's really it's an interesting thing historically. And it, it it's a different conversation for a different podcast. But it kind of does bring back the discussion of, I mean, do we need a speed limit on the highway? You know, around town and neighborhoods, yes. But on the highway, I mean, what's the point? And sure, you know, and maybe there is a point. I'm not. I'm not weighing in. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm just all you mothers and fathers out there. Pat's not. Well, maybe he is, but maybe he isn't. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> actually come right out and say it. What I, my thoughts are, but it's, you know, there. It's interesting seeing this movie and what it what it was lampooning. And then talking about that in a modern context, because, I mean, you know, racing across the country as fast as you can and avoiding the cops that, you know, it's just as outlawed now as it was back then. But again, there was a different mindset in the country at the time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and you you said originally the idea for this film was that it was going to be a serious film with was it Steve McQueen? You said that's that's the one thing that I watch. And that's the only thing that I think, oh, if only is I guess originally Brock Yates wanted it to be a, a, like an action film, um, like a car racing movie starring Steve McQueen. And I, I think about that and I'm just like, when you look at you know some of the great car movies out there and the ones that McQueen was involved in, it's like, oh my gosh, that would have that would be something cool to see is what that would have what that would have been like. Well, before we go, I, we got our five questions to kind of jump into, and I think some of our five questions will bring out some more discussion of the movie and things like that. But uh, before we jump into that, was there was there a favorite scene? Is there a favorite scene? Is there a favorite line from this movie that, yeah, I know it's kind of tough. You know, this is one of those movies. It's, it's got a lot of fun stuff in it. It's got a lot of funny scenes in it. Um, is there one that you can point to and say, when I think of, and, and for us, 
Bo, that might be a little tougher since this is the first time we've really seen it, but was there one part you could point to in this movie and say, that part I thought was the funniest? Or, or maybe that character I thought was the funniest? You know, I really I really loved what they did with Roger Moore. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, step back, my dear. I must warn you, I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> Who? Yeah. That right there, that, that sequence was, was just too good. Yeah. Wouldn't it be easier with your lights on? Why advertise? Why advertise? <laughs> That's another one. Sammy Davis. I mean, how do you go wrong with Sammy Davis Jr.? I mean, jeez. Yeah. So Father... good. But yeah, I got. I got to go with the 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 brawl scene with the bikers when he. Yeah. I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. What about you, John? Oh yeah, um, yeah. A lot of the Roger Moore stuff was good too. Um, you know, he was he was my favorite Bond. I think because he's a little bit campier. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that they played a lot of that stuff up for a laugh in this movie, um, you know, love that part. Um, I think a lot of the stuff with uh, Doctor Van Helsing was a lot of fun. Yeah, because it was just so out there. You're like, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, I did like you know not as. Only if you knew what they were talking about would you get it. But I did a, I did appreciate the line where they're talking about uh, what kind of car are they going to get for this. Mm-hmm. And Burt Reynolds goes, what about a black Trans Am? Ah, uh, no, that's been done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Directly referencing the uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Um, yeah. oh, man. I like it when they're coming yeah. through Ohio and they pull him over. He's like, JJ, we have a flat tire. And those fathers, they weren't fathers, they were mothers and then they come over and they find the cop and he's like excuse me yes do you take your law enforcement in this town seriously and he points points back at the banner and it's like it's like re-elect mayor whatever kill a cameo scanlon and what was the byline was like god guts and glory keep the comment whatever the heck it was it was absolutely priceless and he's like well those men are flashers and they're responsible for this victim and what's more yeah they're dressed like priests don't say. Well, just be careful. They might my arm. Oh, dear God, I hope so. They'll give me an excuse. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that was funny. But, yeah, that, and, and I'll tell you, man, if you've ever gotten pulled over by anyone on the highway patrol, I mean, that's bump, bum, 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 bum. You can practically hear yeah. that, and they do. The hat goes on first, and it's just like, okay, I'm not talking about life. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's funny stuff. Yep. I, you know, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, guys. I get excited about this movie, but I'll tell you, the thing that that struck me is that, and watching it, it's almost like listening to, you know, you got bands that'll like release an album, and they're like polished, or it's a concert album, or something like that. But then every once in a while, you'll get bands that'll have like an album that's just like a jam session, or you'll have like a jazz recording where it's just meant to be impromptu. And that's what I think of when I think of this movie. I think they got all these guys together, guys and gals together, and it was just like, here's the general idea, come up with whatever you want. And it was like, they didn't worry about trying to shape any of the, into one big cohesive whole. It was like, let Roger Moore do what Roger Moore does best. And he can do the tongue-in-cheek kind of campy thing, so let's do that. Let's make him be a wannabe Roger Moore-esque guy, you know, where things don't quite work the way he wants. Okay, Sammy Davis and Dean Martin. 
I mean, those guys are, I mean, they, I mean, they wrote the book on entertainment. So, I mean, check those guys out. And, you know, Burt Reynolds can do his thing. Dom DeLuise can do his, um, Jamie Farr can do, I mean, you know, Terry Bradshaw, put, holy cow, that guy. And then what was it? Was it Mel Tillis? Was that the guy that was his, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> when the hood flies up, I can't see crap. Can you just calm <laughs> down, son? Just calm down. I mean, uh, I did like Jamie Farr as the Sheik was hilarious. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. You know, not, not appropriate by today's standards at all, but my driving is rivaled only by the lightning bolts from the heavens. I know. I know. And when the cops are looking at the guy and he's just like, what do you got under the hood? And the guy's like, it's stuck. And then, oh man. Oh man. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. But they just put all these guys together and then just let them go. And I, I think that was, and like the ending, you know, we kind of discussed the ending of the movie, how there really wasn't an ending. I think it all comes out in the blooper reel. It was like, just keep the cameras rolling. And the, I mean, it was like the stuff that was on the blooper reel or the outtakes and the stuff that made it in was very, very close together. I mean, there was a very fine line. Between, right. It was like, okay, we held it together and didn't laugh. That's our take. You know, yeah. it was, it was, you know, these, these wonderful actors and actresses just having fun. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time for our five questions. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. Why are you asking me for? I don't know. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And may God have mercy on your soul. Five questions this time around. Um, if you have not listened before, our five questions are five loosely based questions uh, on the movie that we're taking a look at this time. So our five questions this time, number one, have you ever been pulled over for speeding? Oh yeah. Okay. Any good stories to go with it? Um, did you unbutton your shirt a little bit and get out of the ticket? No, 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 no. The the Michigan (laughs) highway patrol officer was not pleased with my 85 and a 75. Oh, okay. Well, that's not, wow. That's not too bad. 80, 85 and a 75, that's not too bad. Well, the impression I got was we let you go 75, son. Keep it below 80. Stick to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, All right. Yeah. Makes sense. Learn that lesson, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Pat, what about you? You've been pulled over speeding? Uh, I have been pulled over multiple times. Okay. And I. Any tickets or did you get out of them? I just recently got a ticket. And Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I did, not just, just recently. Uh, but with but last year or two, and I, I think I've been Tammy. It's just she just shakes her head in in uh, in <laughs> anger because I think I've been pulled over at least seven or eight times. Um, but each time, though, in all fairness, it wasn't that I talked my way out of it. It's just that there was a perfectly good reason for what was happening, mm-hmm. and the officer, you know, um, you know, it it all it, it was all good. You know, Tammy's frustration is that. Nine times out of ten, the officer pulling me over happened to be female. I don't think that had anything to do with it. Um, <laughs> but, uh-huh. but, I, but I had been pulled over seven or eight times. And then this most recent time <clears throat> was we were going past the truck. And my dad and I, we were working on the house. We were running up to like the Home Depot to get something. And we and a, and like a big flatbed truck goes by. And there was stuff like ready to like these big like um, panels that were going to blow off the top of the thing, presumably right into the car. 
So I accelerated to get in front of the truck because hitting the brake, you know, I would be right behind, I'd still be in the impact zone. And we were going to try and signal to the truck that like, hey, something's coming loose. Well, the officer saw me and all of a sudden he comes around and he, he hits the deck and or hits the lights and comes and we're like, oh, great. He saw it too. But he didn't pull the truck over. He pulled me over. And it was like, okay. And I, I just calmly explained everything and just said, like, I'm really sorry. And he's like, okay, do you have your... And then I I just upped and I'm, I keep all my insurance and everything completely up to date. But I had thrown out the old card or the new card and I had the old card. And so he's like, oh. okay, he said, here's two things. He says, but here's the deal. I'm not going to write you up for this, but I'm going to write you up for this. And just, you know, and all that. And I was like, okay, yep, that's fine. And then I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to go, you know what? I think I'm going to check. Cause I had a point, like I hit the brake, the thing still falls into the car. And my family's like, Patrick, you've been pulled over eight times and you've gotten <laughs> one ticket. Mm-hmm. Pay the fine. Just let it go. So yeah, that's my, that's my story. Okay. All right. Yeah, hey, I did. now now I was going to ask you. <laughs> I was going to ask you: Were these uh, car or motorcycle that you got pulled over? Um, or a combination? I uh, I've never been. You know what? I've never been pulled over on the bike. I've okay. uh, I've been followed before. My dad and I've been like. And there's a couple times we go riding out and go through town, and suddenly it's like, oh, we we have an escort. This is interesting, <laughs> and it's like maybe it's just a coincidence, and they pull in, but all of a sudden another pull car pulls out and follows us, and it's like. No, they're just making sure we get through town and don't cause problems. Uh, no, it's it's been it's been pretty much it's always been the car. Okay. So, uh, I have only ever been pulled over, I think, three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a ticket every single time. You know, was never able to. You know, even, even though I'm just like, well, and, and I fully admit it. I was like, well, yeah, I was speeding. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, you know, you know, why I pulled you over. Yeah, I was speeding. I think a couple times they were kind of surprised that I didn't try to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the, the last time, you know, the first, and, and these are all pretty spread out. Once was in high school. I think once was just after college. Um, and once was just maybe a few years ago. And the one a few years ago, I completely blame it on uh, Bon Jovi mm-hmm. because I was driving <laughs> home. And I had, uh, it was a little bit later at night. I was driving home. I had Bon Jovi on the radio. I had it turned up a little bit louder. And it just won at Trivia. It hits. He's all jacked up and excited. I know. And I, so I, I blame the boss. Um, but uh, that's Bruce Springsteen. That's not Bon Jovi. Um, but well, uh, you were right about the state anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they, they, when they pulled me over, they said, you know why I pulled you over? I said, yeah, because... I was listening to my Bon Jovi music too loud and driving too fast. And they kind of laughed and they're like, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you a ticket. I said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, I'm not going to argue it. I know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. All right. Question number two. So question number two, uh, pick one actor from this movie. And what is your favorite performance of theirs? So I'm going to go first. I got uh, I picked Jackie Chan because I look at all the other ones. I don't, we've talked about Roger Moore on this podcast when we talk about the Bond movies. I love the Roger Moore Bond movies. They are my favorites. Um, you know, if uh, you, the next question is going to be uh, related to either Cannonball Run or Smokey and the Bandit. So I figured, you know, I can't do Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandit because we're going to talk about that next. But um, so this one, I picked Jackie Chan and uh, of all of his different movies, I think Rumble in the Bronx might be my favorite. Okay. So I'm going to go with that one. Cool. 
Maybe because, and maybe because that was, I feel like that was one of the first Jackie Chan movies I ever saw. Got it. So, so I'll go with that one. All right. Bo, what about yourself? You know, I think I'm going to pick Roger Moore, and it's mostly for his performance in this movie. Okay. Because playing a caricature of yourself is hard. Mm Mm-hmm. And he does it so well. Like I, I kept finding myself enjoying his stuff more than most others. So I think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cheat and say that. Stick with the Roger Moore as Roger Moore. Playing Seymour Goldfarb the Third. You know, right. Goldfarb playing Roger Moore. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right, Pat. What do you got? You know, so I'm gonna say. Um, what if, oh, I'll say Jackie Chan as well. And I love the legend of the drunken master. Yeah, see, that was that was my backup choice. Yeah. Now I'm gonna go and I'm I'm gonna kind of expand your, your question a little bit because you said favorite performance, and so yeah. there's really no way uh, to top uh, Dino Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. And now, as far mm-hmm. as movies, I, I I won't cheat. I'll stick with Jackie Chan. But as far as performances, anything Rat Pack, I think Sammy Davis and Dean Martin are fantastic. And uh, I'll tell you, I found this thing on YouTube where it was Sammy Davis was singing and then he sits down and he plays like this drum solo and then he moves over and he plays this piano solo and Mizuka and I were watching it and we looked at each other and it's just like, okay, is there any wonder that this guy is like a fantastically talented musician? I mean, look at like he destroyed the drum set. He destroyed the piano. He gets done singing this thing. He's this great tap dancer. I mean... Both those guys are just so wonderfully talented. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I- I'll say anything Rat Pack. Nice. All right, number three, Cannonball Run or Smokey and the Bandit? Cannonball Run. Okay. Cannonball Run. All right. I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm going to say Smokey and the Bandit. You can't go wrong. I mean, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Either one of these. And they're, they're so very similar to each other that, um, yeah. In fact, part of me thought almost thought, like, wait a minute. Is Cannibal Run supposed to be like a, was it supposed to be like a sequel to Smokey and the Bandit? And it, it just turned it into something else. But, um, yeah, yeah. So Hey, more stunt drivers should be making movies. That's what I got to say. There you go. There you go. Uh, I did hear that they actually had plans back in 2016 to make an updated Cannonball Run. Oh, wow. Kind of so. like they've updated... It's a mad, mad world recently, mm-hmm. and that would have been cool. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's um, – I don't know. And, again, I really haven't – so I'll, I'll throw this one out there, too. I have not seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. Mm. Oh, I've seen them all. My wife does. I okay. love them. Okay. <laughs> I love those movies. How do you, how do you feel about it, Pat? <laughs> um, I kind of feel like that would be – you know, that would be your target audience. If you are going to remake Cannibal oh, yeah. Run, would be to remake it in the vein of – like a Fast and Furious. I almost wonder, though, totally. if you did the Cannibal Run, I, I would almost, I wonder, would it work or would it just look like a Fast and the Furious knockoff? Because, well, Bo, you said you've seen them all, right? Okay, yeah. spoilers. Announcement. Go for it. Okay, I mean, the last one, they get into a chase with an orange Lamborghini and a submarine. This launching yeah. missile, I mean, it's just like, I can't, like, right. I just, I, well, uh, you know what I'm saying? So I think if they did a cannonball run, 
Well, so maybe maybe they do this. Maybe they do it as a Fast and Furious sequel. Yeah, you could do that. Maybe you do that. Maybe it's a subtitle. Maybe it's maybe it's the Fast and the Furious colon Cannonball Run. Or yeah, that could be interesting. It's just you'd have to. The problem with the Fast and the Furious being part of that is it's got its own universe now. Yeah, and this almost needs to be independent of that because you need to get together a bunch of star. Yeah. I'm trying to think what that cast would look like if you were recasting the archetypes that are already there. Okay. Yeah. That obviously you're going to change some things because you're probably not going to go as uh, cheeky with the chic. Um, well, do, do but, you do it campy, or do you make the movie that they had originally talked about and make it serious? I mean, you could you could yeah, make it a period a piece. Point. I mean, you could set it back you in could. the 1970s. I mean, yeah. that would be mm-hmm. awesome. Or maybe in a modern sense, and maybe maybe that's it. Is is like, you know, they tried to do something like this a few years ago with a TV show, mm-hmm. and it was all about a race, and it was these different teams. Yeah, um, Nathan Fillion was in it. It lasted like two and a half episodes. Really? It was not great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can. S- I. I Forget the name of it. I'll see if I can figure it out. I mean, I can see like. I mean, I would get well Tom Cruise. I mean, that guy'd have to, you know, be in it. I think um, I could see like a Keanu Reeves in it. I don't know. I, my brain is racing, but again, I, I don't know. It, it would almost have to be like a serious take on it, you know. I, I say you do both. I say you do a serious one and a, a camp, campy one. Yeah, I, I more more cars, more better. Mm-hmm. And I mean. Back in the 70s, they were pushing back against the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. Now it could be pushing back against autonomous cars. Right. You know? I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They did a... uh, I feel like there was... I don't know if it was supposed to be an homage to this, but they did an episode... There used to be a cartoon called Batman the Brave and the Bold. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was Batman would always team up with somebody else. That was kind of the premise of it. Because the old comic book, The Brave and the Bold, was always a team up between two superheroes. They did an episode, and that was um, what I really liked about that cartoon. It's a, it's a kid's cartoon, but the Batman character that they did was kind of like... He was very much like the Adam West Batman. Mm-hmm. But he, he was kind of like if you mixed the personality of the Adam West Batman with the personality of the Batman animated series, Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so it was kind of this, it was kind of this like quirky mix of a, he's, you know, his, in his voice, he's Batman and he's serious, but every once in a while he'll do something really goofy in order to get out of a situation. And they did an episode in which, um, I don't know if it was called death race or what it was called, but all of the different Batman characters had their own unique cars and they had to do this race. And it was part of like one of the villains. I don't know if it was Darkseid or one of the other villains had set up this race to see who would be the champion. And Batman had the Batmobile, and Joker had his car, and Catwoman had her car, and you know, so it was kind of the similar type of idea. And I just I remember we watched that when the kids were little, and, and they loved that one. Cool. It's like mixture of Batman and cars. So cool. Uh, the show I was trying to come up with was called Drive. Drive. Okay. It was from. I don't remember that one. 2007. Okay. And it had a total of six. Count them six episodes. Okay. All right. It's better than five. Well, there you go. It is better than five. All right. Question number four. If you were in the Cannonball Run, what vehicle would you choose? And I will start by saying I'm not a car guy. 
so I really don't know that much about cars. And I, I think I shared some of that when we did our Batman episode, and I asked what, what car would you kind of choose as the basis for your Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little bit more research on this one, and I, I feel, you know, not that I know anything about cars, but I feel fairly confident in my choice here. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, apparently, this is one that either is not really sold much in the United States, but I'm going to go with the Mercedes. It's a Mercedes R63 AMG. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said the three so, magic letters, my friend. Okay. Anything AMG is that'll move pretty good. So that's uh, so. My understanding is this is a Mercedes Benz made a 500 horsepower minivan, mm-hmm. and that's what this car is. And my reason for choosing that is because I, I looked at a couple of different websites where they talk a little bit about, you know, if you're going to do the cannonball run type race, here's what you need to keep in mind. And some of the stuff they said was only a complete amateur would show up in a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or something like that because those are going to be totally obvious and you're going to get pulled over by the cops. You need something that's a little bit more nondescript. You need something that's going to look like you're not some racer out on the road trying to so win. So my Dodge Challenger is a bad call? It might well, be. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to – well, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to – I got a thought on that, but I don't want to interrupt, yeah. John, what you were saying. No. So that's what – so as soon as I saw that one, I was like, okay, that's um, that's a mixture of – you know, it's it's a car that you might not, the cops might not be looking for, especially if you've got all these, you know, radar blockers and and stuff like that. Um, so it seems like a fairly powerful car. Uh, I, I looked up a little bit on it. I'm like, I, I'll never be able to afford this, but we're just in fantasy land anyway. And um, you know, it seemed like it got uh, decent gas mileage, all that. So I figured that would be kind of the one that I would go with. That would be my. Uh, my, uh, you know, instead of doing something like a Lamborghini or, or some crazy sports car like that, I'm going to go with this one. I, I know that right towards the end of the racing, and that's where Brock Yates going into the 80s was like, we got to put a stop to this, is because there were a lot of people that came. And like many things in the 80s, it just went to excess. And there was someone that showed up with a black Lamborghini and he's like, I'm already, I'm going to race the Cannonball this year. And the guy had very little, like, professional driving experience. And I mean, hmm. and I remember Brock Yates was like, yeah, that guy's going to kill himself and kill someone else. And that's, I mean, we got in to push the limits, but that's, this is getting. That's just, that's just stupid. This is getting, this is getting out of hand. And the guy yeah. had seen the movie. Yeah. So anyways, you brought that up. Yeah. But, and, and I will say, and, and again, I'm sorry, but you brought up a challenger, uh, after the year after they did the Ferrari, Brock Yates for a number of years ran a Dodge Challenger with a was it a three forty V eight in there or whatever? But that was like his car that he raced for a couple of years in a row. That was like the the, the car they decided on. It had auxiliary fuel tanks and everything. But he 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 raced the Challenger and the Cannonball. After the year after he did it, he and Dan Gurney split the Ferrari the first year, and then the last the next couple of years they did a they did run one of the Challengers back in the seventies. Nice. So, anyway, sorry, I'm talking too much this episode. Sorry, listening audience. Sorry, India. Sorry, Britain. Sorry, Australia. France. France. Yeah, we talked about that before, I think before you hopped on, Pat, that we were, uh, for a little bit of time, we were number 29 in the uh, French iTunes store in terms of podcasts for for TVs and movies. All right. Viva la France. Yeah. We, we, we. All right. So, Bo, what did you you say? Dodge Challenger was yours? Okay. Awesome. Which I think probably would have been mine too, until I found this other one. I was like, hmm, minivan. 
all right, nobody's expecting a minivan. It's much like the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody's expecting a minivan. Now, w- so. would your wife be the co-driver in this little escapade? Uh, possibly. What about Possibly. what about you, Bo? Oh yeah, she loves cars. She'd be in. <laughs> cool. If nothing, just to have somebody else in the car to sing along uh-huh. songs with. <laughs> That's right. All right, so Pat, which one are you doing? Because I know you've thought about yeah, this. Yeah, I have. Well, first of all, the, okay. the joke is I can't stay awake to save my life, especially on long road trips. So Dennis was. Dennis has always teased me whenever we get on the road to go like to state cross country. He's like, if we ever film the Cannonball Run with you, it would be a really exciting takeoff. And then two blocks later, it'd be you being you pulling over and taking a nap. You know, so mm-hmm. that so that's kind of the whole joke about me racing, um, you know, racing, you know, for an endurance race. But I I don't know. I had a couple thoughts. So my first thought would be, my heart would say, ah, oh, do it on a motorcycle. That would be outstanding. And mm-hmm. um, it would have to be something, you know, moving uh, pretty quick, but also good at like, you know, uh, distance and, and touring and all that kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I, my heart would say do it with a Suzuki Hayabusa, which for a long time, the Suzuki, uh, the Hayabusa was like the fastest bike on the road and everything. And um, but it's also a, it also can be converted and and and. Uh, 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 for like sport touring and distance and all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's a little bit more um, appropriate for that than like some of the real, some of the other more like racetrack focused sports bikes out there. But I guess if, if, if it was like, like my heart would be, oh, do it by yourself on a, on a motorcycle. But realistically speaking, if I was doing it with a car, you know, cause co-drivers and all that kind of thing, I think the Subaru WRX would be, uh, I would look at that. Now, again, it depends on how much, I mean, I don't know how much, I mean, if you're just on the highway the whole way, you know, that's one thing, because you're just going to have your foot flat. And, but I would think if, if there were any, you know, back roads or any, you know, shortcuts or anything that needed to happen on something other than like a, a super slab highway, then it, I don't know. I think that the WRX has got a lot of high performance. Um, and good if you did need to go off road or, or something like that, and it's not like a it's not like a supercar that's going to attract everybody's attention right right from the get go. Now that being said, I'm sure there's a bunch of experts out there that are going to point me in the rot and say, "Oh no, that's not the car you want." No, no, no. Um, you know, and I welcome any feedback, but I, my my gut would be, you know, a car like that. Now the only other thing that got me thinking too would be a Tesla, and my only thing is, if you could somehow get like a backup, I don't know how long the batteries can last at a high rate of speed, but if you could somehow do it where you just pack in extra battery packs, and then all you do is just, it, I, I'd have to talk to an engineer, but connect when the one set of batteries runs out, just connect it to the other set of batteries. Well, I guess it, so then you don't have to stop for fuel. You would not, you wouldn't have to stop for fuel. Well, yeah. You could yeah. just keep going. But again, I I, do, I need to find out like what's what's the what's the size of the of the battery packs and how much would you go through, um, but that that would that would have my curiosity. Like I would want to like say, man, that might have some that might have some benefits right there. So those those were my those were my three thoughts on vehicles to use. Yeah. So what is uh what's what's 
not that we necessarily know off the top of our heads. What's the top speed of a Tesla? Does it, I mean, can it go as fast oh, as some totally. of these other cars? I mean, oh, yeah. but okay. you're going to run up, but it's one of those things like the battery is rated for 300 miles. If you're going right. 80 miles an hour, you're going to be out of juice in three hours, you know, three hours, oh, yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. You know? So, okay. And how big are how big are the battery packs? You know, like yeah, I don't know like the numbers on those off the top of my head. I just know, you know, that's the you know in an electric car. It's not about miles. So like, it's not about miles per gallon. It's about miles per battery watt. You know. Yeah. So here is, uh, here's an, I found a couple of articles real quick and these are actually from 2017. So they're a couple of years old. Um, but they list the Tesla Roadster as having a top speed of 250 miles per hour. And the Um, the Roadster's the super sporty one. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And says it has a range, uh, it says a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack and it has a range of 620 miles on a single charge. There you go. So, and I mean, so yeah, all right, maybe that would be the one to do. Yeah. Just pack the truck with as many, you know, and again, I just don't know what the size of the battery packs are. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're not swappable yet, is the. Yeah. So, in the supercharging network, I think you can charge in an hour. So, if you had to spend an hour to get 600 miles, would that work for you? Yeah, I don't know. And then the only way know. you charge them up is through braking, and you're probably not going to do a ton of that that would really charge right, it up. Right, and that's so negligible. Right. I mean, that's going to get you five more miles. It's not going to get you anything. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I don't know, man. They say racing improves the breed. <laughs> Make the cannonball run electrical. <laughs> there you, you go. Know, seriously, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Now so. we're talking. All right, question five. If you were racing across a country, which country would you like to race across? I think Italy'd be cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Italy or Spain, somewhere where the driving is fast and aggressive anyway. Yep. Okay. I I chose Scotland. Okay. Just because I right, for pure scenery, I'm gonna mm. choose Scotland. You know you're supposed to be watching uh, the but road. I also, this, right? I'm just saying. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> um but then my other problem is I don't really like now see whereas you're like, oh man, I you know, the, the, the driving would be crazy in like Italy or Spain. See, I'm the kind of person where like, I do not necessarily like driving in the hills and I don't like driving the curvier roads and things like that. So that's my, my reason for saying pure scenery is Scotland. If I have to do some kind of a race, I probably would rather choose something like Australia. Mm. So they just flat and just go. Yeah. Cause I am not a, uh, I, we have family that lives in the Ozarks in Missouri and every time I got to go drive through those mountains and hills, and I'm like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a fan. Yeah. But that would be my, I'd probably do Scotland if that was a choice. But if it was a just a, like a straightforward, just start racing and go, I think Australia would be a good one. Right. All right. All right. So I think that's going to do it. Do we have anything else we want to say about Cannonball Run yes. before we run out of here? Tammy, the, 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 I was referencing earlier the playing the, the flugelhorn, the uh, Melody, yeah. Tammy, it was Chuck Mangione. That was the guy whose name yeah. I couldn't think of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So, and as far as scenes, I want to just give a shout out when they're trying to figure out um, 
what to race after they crash the Porsche. And you see it's yeah. J.J. McClure, We Deliver, Land, Sea, and Air. And then it shows him flying the plane and driving the boat. And the boat crash is what finally gets him in the ambulance and all that. Yeah. But I just have to say, when they're sitting there flying in the plane, and he's sitting there drinking, and he's like, great. We're out of beer, Victor. I'm going to pull in here and pick some up. And he's like, yeah. you've, you've been acting crazy since this cannibal thing. And he lands the plane right on the main street. Don't bother mm-hmm. to park. And he just walks in, and then they take off. I mean... <laughs> That was just, I, I mean, it's just, it's seriously, it's the mindset just works because it's like, guys, you know what would be really cool? Let's land a plane on Main Street in a small town. That would be awesome yeah. to pick up a six pack of beer. All right. Well, I think it's going to do it for the Cannonball Run. So before we run out of here, uh, next time, if you'd like to join us, uh, if you want to find any of our past shows or if you want to join us again next time, uh, make sure you head over to 30podcast.com to our website so you can find all of our past shows. Uh, and get on back here for our next episode, which will be Bo's pick of the Dream Team from 1989. Uh, so the year that we are currently in, we just it did not make our list of movies because we had so many great ones from 89 that we wanted to take a look at. So that'll be the one that we're doing next week for our month of movies we missed from the 80s. So uh, yeah, join us back here for ne- that one next time. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of anything else we got coming up soon other than these uh, movies we missed month we got going on. Uh, past that, we've got my movie. Um, th- this was kind of a tough one, too. I was going to go for one of the Star Wars ones that we didn't do, but I figured that's maybe a little bit too obvious. So mine is An American Werewolf in London, and we've got Jeff's is E.T. So those are the ones we're going to be doing. Hey, and I'm, I'm just going to throw one more final thought in, too. And I'm sorry. It's real easy to watch car movies and like be like, dude, that looks awesome, and talk about things in the past and kind of look back with the rose-tinted glasses and all that kind of thing. And, I mean, I think we can all agree – Driving fast, speed, it's fun. That's, you know, there's a thrill there, but there's also a safe place to do it with, I mean, like high-end go-kart, indoor kart tracks, taking your car out. They have autocross competitions and parking lots. You can do track days. You can, there are, you know, there's run what you brung, drag racing. I mean, there are so many opportunities to learn how to drive a car fast and safe, um, that if you if you if you feel the need for speed, you know it's real easy to look at the movies and think, yeah, that's awesome, but it's not reality. And usually, remembering the good old days is remembering not actually living through it when the people did crash and die and kill, you know, and all that. So, you know, there's a safe place to enjoy uh, speed and high power vehicles. So I just I want to throw that out there. Maybe a little bit uh, silly to feel the need to say that, but. Uh, you know. No, I, I, I want to add the uh, the more you know sound How about it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the yeah, G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. Yeah, yeah, knowing is half the battle. Yeah. But seriously. No, that's 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 a good point. And, and I mean, and it is, and it's like you can get go-kart, and you can even go up. There's plenty of tracks. You take a couple of classes, and you can do, like, basically amateur small formula cars. And, I mean, it's there's a lot of really cool opportunities, if you got the cash, um, which you'll be paying if you get pulled over doing too fast on the highway anyways but i mean that's also true um there's a lot of really great opportunities to enjoy uh high power vehicles and, and driving at speed in a safer environment um and it improves your skill as a driver and 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 that and motorcycle rider and the whole thing but just you know the street and you know the neighborhood and and all that kind of stuff is is not the place for that so anyways i just wanted to make sure that we Put that out there right along with the, uh, you know, speed is fun. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, if you and especially if you're listening in your car, stay safe, everybody. Yes. Um, but uh, thank you for being here, and we will catch you all next time. So be excellent to each other. Drive safe, and uh, go watch some good movies. <laughs>